Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone, Kato here with a special episode for y'all from our sister podcast, Vice News Reports. This one's covering the moment that the U.S. Army was recruiting over Twitch and how that all played out. This one's reported out by Dexter Thomas, who you'll know as the host of Reset, the unauthorized guide to video games. So if you listen to any of the Reset Roundtable panels, he's a familiar voice. We will be back with another Reset panel later this week on Friday. So look out for that and enjoy. So one night in March or April, I was on my phone in bed and just kind of scrolling Twitch. So this thing happened during the spring of 2020 on the video game streaming platform Twitch, where people log on to watch other gamers play live and interact with them. And at the very top of the page, there's a revolving slider of streams that they're promoting. And the first one you see is typically default for everybody and it's the one they want everyone to see and it was the army esports team i thought like why is why does the army have an esports team first but also like why is this the top promoted stream this one gamer named jordan yule was up late one night and he noticed something sort of weird and scrolling down to see who else was on i saw the very popular esports personality and streamer so I, i went to his page to see what he was playing on a page where you can watch well-known streamers play games like Call of Duty, there was a link to a stream from an esports team. In his About section, I noticed he had a graphic for the Army National Guard. So typically they suggest there's a sponsorship involved. Esports teams, if you're not familiar, are these competitive gaming teams. They're huge in the gaming world, but Jordan had never seen one run by the U.S. military before. At this point, Jordan feels like he knows exactly what's going on. I thought, this is all really weird. He figures the army is there to recruit young gamers to the military. As I started to dig around into their account, I noticed that their links all led to recruiting forms. It is, what's your information? Give us your phone number, your date of birth. At the very bottom, there's like small fine print that says, this is a recruiting form. And the insinuations they would make in their language to kind of hint at you being able to enlist and be on the esports team, despite that not being a possibility at all whatsoever. There is no like sign up to esports pipeline. And so this guy, Jordan, he's not a fan of the US military. He's super anti war. And so a couple months later, as he's watching one of the military Twitch streams, he gets an idea. He starts typing into the chat box and writes, What is your favorite U.S. war crime? What's your favorite U.S. war crime? And the, the term war crime was auto-modded. You can't even post that chat because the term war crime was blocked. Someone had probably tried this before because war crime was one of the terms that the army didn't allow you to say on their streaming channel. So 
Jordan decides to try something else. And so instead, Jordan spells out W4RCR1ME using numbers in the letters to spell out war crime. Like, that's the way to get around those filters. And then he posts a link to the Wikipedia page for U.S. war crimes. I wanted to see what kind of a reaction it would evoke from from this guy who was, from all accounts, uh, kind of a hothead. You were trying to to piss him off. Am I reading that right? (laughs) Yeah, you could say that. (laughs) Meanwhile... Jordan is recording the stream. Y'all are going to go talk all that crap to my angel on the esports team, the nicest person in the entire world. You little internet keyboard monster. That's what you are. Little gremlins. You little gremlins, I swear. So he sees the message. He says something like, oh, nice. And my username on Twitch is really chill guy. Nice. Really chill guy. Have a nice time getting banned, my dude. And uh, bans me from their chat. So after Jordan is banned from the Army's Twitch stream, he decides to send the recording to a friend. And his friend posts it on Twitter. And that's when people start copying Jordan. They told me to ask when you were going to commit some war crimes or something. And eventually this became sort of a game that teens on Twitch were replicating, right? They were all trying to see how quickly they could get banned from the Army's Twitch stream. And this wasn't just happening on the Army's Twitch stream. The Navy had similar issues when they started streaming on Twitch. Uh, I see what you're doing. Uh, I've heard that one before, you know? Get them out of here. The whole thing brought a lot of attention to the Army's recruitment efforts on streaming platforms like Twitch. And all of a sudden the military's recruitment practices come under a lot of scrutiny. This is Vice News Reports, and I'm your host, Ariel Zimros. And I'm Dexter Thomas. I'm a correspondent for Vice News. The U.S. Army is really turning the page when it comes to recruitment. Sure, firepower and helicopters still sell, but now they're going right where the recruits are. Have you heard of esports, first-person shooters, video games, live streaming, all new tools when it comes to the Army's recruitment? Nearly 75% of men under 30 and about half of young women say they play video games. The audience for competitive gaming, also known as esports, is expected to rival the NFL by 2022. This amendment is specifically to block recruitment practices and funding for recruitment practices on platforms such as Twitch.tv. War is not a game. So, Dexter, as a casual gamer, I know that this stuff with the military and the video games and gamers has been going on for a while in sort of different forms, but I am not as dialed in as you. You've been covering this connection between the military and the gaming industry specifically, so can you break down for me what's been going on there? Yeah, so the military's had this ongoing challenge of trying to figure out how to market themselves. So, for example, you can take the Army, which is what I focused on in my reporting. In 2018, they missed their enlistment goal by about 10%. So what does that look like? Is that significant? Yeah, so they were short about 6,500 enlistees. And it's a little complicated because the next year they did meet their recruitment goal. But what that 10% dip they experienced can indicate is that there's a problem looming in their recruitment. They've tried to address this in a few different ways, but it looks like they've found at least a partial solution in video games. 
To understand why the army and really the military in general would be looking at something like video games in the first place, you probably got to go back to at least the 70s. Okay, so we're going way back. Why the 70s? So in 73, in the United States, the military draft ends. And so at this point, the military turns into an all-volunteer force. So this means that just like anything else, they have to recruit people. Now the Army starts you at $288 a month. They have to convince people to join, which means they have to start marketing themselves. So you've got commercials with John Travolta in some fancy-looking sports car. You've got these weird Knights of the Round Table-themed commercials. Once there were a few proud men. Men of adventure. Men of courage. Anybody who grew up in the 80s and 90s will probably remember the theme songs. Specifically, I'm thinking of the Be All That You Can Be one. They're doing basically everything they can from big time commercials with big budgets to having a guy at the mall in a kiosk in a recruitment station and trying to talk to kids who pass by. And after a while, these traditional recruitment methods don't always work so well. So the army was having a tough time. So why is the army having a hard time here? It's a little bit hard to pin it on any one thing, but they done market research and they discovered that people thought of the army as more dangerous than the other branches. They thought of it as low tech, not to mention This is a point in the 90s where kids are starting to spend less time watching television and more time sitting down playing video games or computer games. So the army is looking at all of this, right? And they're realizing that they need something. We're going to compete to keep you in the army. Okay. That means it's going to have to be a pretty good experience. There was a guy named Casey Wardinsky. At the time, he was a lieutenant colonel. He's now the assistant secretary of the army. And I actually went to the Pentagon last November to talk to him. So you're the man who convinced the army that you should get into video games. What was that like? Well, it was not as hard as you might imagine. It was, uh, I think, 1999. Mm -hmm. Army was struggling at that point in time with recruiting and was looking for new ways to connect with Americans and young adults. And he is the guy, essentially, who convinced the Pentagon to get into video games. All right, so how did this happen? If you went, uh, and sort of this was my epiphany, uh, Best Buy with my sons. He was in a Best Buy. I'd be off looking at something, they'd be in the game aisle. And anybody who went to a Best Buy in the 90s will remember. You could walk up, you could play video games, anything that was coming out that hadn't been released yet, all this sort of thing. And the game aisle was probably 70% Army. That the forces of Germany have surrendered to the United Nations. Either future army, current army, or historical army, right? Mm-hmm. Roman Empire, uh, Star Wars, something like that. But bunch of army themed games. Army themed games. And he realizes, wait a second, all of these kids are playing games about the military. Well, that struck me as being pretty important information. A lot of interest in this uh, technology and this entertainment uh, genre. Maybe we could kind of divert that a little bit and we could make our own game. Who better to make a game about the army than the army? And we could put our messaging in it 
and turn this into a recruitment tool. If we did it right, we could get across key ideas. I'm a warrior and a member of a team. I serve the people of the United States and live the Army values. His ideas, he tells it, is to create an Army video game created by the Army. I will never leave a fallen comrade. I am disciplined. I am disciplined. And it has Army values. proficient in my warrior tasks and drills. Things like loyalty, duty, respect, honor, integrity, things like this. Teamwork, that kind of stuff. All that sort of thing. Because Wardinsky is aware that they can't just slap something together and say, hey, here's the new Army video game, because kids aren't going to like it. He's got his sights set much higher. He wants the game to be as fun to play as something like Counter-Strike. So the Pentagon, the military, they're just okay with this? The Pentagon pushes back. And I think it was probably rough going. But Wardinsky is able to get the funding. He's able to make the thing happen. The question no longer is should we do it, it's how do we do it. And in 2002, they launch a game called America's Army. Okay, so I'm sort of familiar with America's Army. I've heard about it in the past, but I've never played it. How does it work? So, for example, in order to get to basically the good stuff, you have to go through a version of basic training. Good morning, soldier, and welcome to the M16 qualification range. Today's task is to qualify with the M16A2 rifle. You actually have to sit down and listen to basically a drill sergeant lecture you. You will then be charged with demonstrating duty, honor, and personal courage in order to benefit your team and save lives. Basically, you have to do some boring stuff. And when you get shot in the game, there's basically this little puff and you just sit down for a little while. So it's pretty bloodless. For a video game that's trying to be realistic about the military, that definitely feels like a sugar-coated version of death. Yeah, you could definitely say that. And so how does it do? It does really well. The reviews are really good. Hmm. Because the thing is, it's a good game. And it's essentially a blockbuster. So we launched the 4th of July, and I think by August we had a million users. They put it online, let you download it for free. If you didn't have an internet connection, you could pick it up at a recruitment center. So they had the CDs and they would give this away. And uh, by the time I retired, we were about 20 million users Mm -hmm. and hundreds of millions of hours of gameplay. Damn. Yeah, that's kind of a new concept. You didn't just give away a game. And you definitely didn't give away a game of this caliber. So if the game was so popular, was it actually successful in terms of recruiting? So the army hasn't released numbers on how many people played it. But we do know that after the game came out, 20% of people incoming to West Point said that they'd play the game. And a study that came out around this time said that 30% of all Americans aged 16 to 24 had a more positive impression of the Army because of the game. And in their estimation that the game had had more impact on recruiting than all other forms of Army advertising combined. 
And in terms of like return on investment, like was this a good investment for the army? This whole thing cost about $7 million, which might sound like a lot, but for the Pentagon, that's nothing. It's basically a rounding error. Damn. And with that very small investment, Wardinsky created basically one of the Army's most successful recruiting initiatives. And as early as the mid-2000s, they started hitting their recruitment goals. We can't say that America's Army single-handedly made people want to join the Army. But I think it's very fair to say that it certainly didn't hurt. There was even an ad where you see this military guy tap on the screen and talking directly to a couple gamers. You look like you're really into this. You guys want a real challenge? So this game is popular. It's doing well. Were there any major criticisms of the game at the time? I think if this game had come out today, then there would be a lot more people really criticizing it because we've been in basically forever war for two decades at this point. Mm. But this game drops right after 9-11 and you're not going to get that kind of criticism. Right. This is like freedom fries time. People are pretty pro-military at this point. Exactly. The military has a responsibility to let kids know early enough in their life what they need to do to keep this option alive. If you try to catch a kid when they're 17, they have likely already made up their mind about what they want to do with their life. And the military may not be part of their game plan. So before recruiting then, there's got to be information. Kids are being informed about what it takes to be a lawyer, a doctor, right? What do you got to do? How much education? All that. Well, this profession needs the same kind of foundation. The target audience for America's Army is really kids who are as young as about 13. But the decision space where people are thinking about careers really starts at probably age 13-ish. Because that is when a kid is starting to form their ideas about the world. They're starting to think about, hey, what do I want to be when I grow up? What do I want to do when I grow up? And Wardinsky wants to get the army on their radar. What do you say to a parent who says, hey, I don't feel comfortable having the army have a direct line in my kid's bedroom? Mm -hmm. We're not your child's parent. We're the United States Army. Your child's thinking about things to do with their life age 13, 14, 15. Mm -hmm. We think this is a great uh, opportunity for many kids. And so we will be in these spaces because Mm -hmm. I don't see anything unwholesome about the United States Army that should be kept secret. The Army realized that there was a captive audience who were happy to play free games and that they could be successful in this area. So they keep pouring money into it. And by 2018, the logical next step was to get into the world of online streaming and create an Army esports team. There is, I think, a really compelling argument to be made that the types of kids who are playing these games are very attractive to the military. So... You've got kids who have good hand-eye coordination. They're pretty good at thinking quickly. They're good at talking to multiple people and working in a team while they're operating equipment. So, you're probably wondering to yourself, the U.S. Army has an esports program? Why and how do I join? The U.S. Army esports program is a recruiting outreach tool to help the Army connect with the fast-growing esports audience. Do you have what it takes? Good luck. So they're competing against, say, college teams or other pro game teams in things like Rocket League or Call of Duty or Street Fighter 
or Tekken, basically any game that's out there that's popular that people compete in, the army is also playing these games. But the most important aspect of all this from a recruiting standpoint is that when the army is streaming on platforms like Twitch, they're forming a new kind of relationship with these teenagers. What is going on? Everybody come on in. Welcome to the U.S. Army Esports stream. I am Sergeant First Class Jones. I'm the non-commissioned officer in charge of the U.S. Army Esports program. And I'll take this a little bit of time just to everybody come in, have a little chat. And that's when the problems start. What is your favorite U.S. war crime? W4R, CR1ME. That's after the break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey. All right. Here we are. What am I looking at? So here you have the main area of the U.S. Army Esports facility. Just watching the streams online, it's kind of hard to get a sense of what it actually looks like to have soldiers playing video games as part of the job. So I went to where the Army esports team streams from at Fort Knox. I notice I see the custom PCs, I see the PS4s, I see the laptop, I see the key lights. That's correct. I see. <laughs> Y'all are really ready for streaming. And so to be on this team, you have to already be in the Army. You can't sign up directly to play video games. All right, I'm going for a place for everybody to come in, do their work for the day, and then Do their work for the day. And in talking to these soldiers, you could really tell that they take this job seriously, just like any other job. Really not just coming in and playing games, really getting the strategy. Oh, absolutely. There you go. So it's not like they just grab G.I. Joe, threw him into the room and said, hey, learn how to play a video game and talk to these kids. These are people who are already pretty serious gamers. So the point of them having an esports team is not the competition, it's the streaming, it's the presence online. So the Army's esports team will stream on a service called Twitch, which is kind of like YouTube, but mostly for video game content. And so you can watch people play video games live. You can watch them when they're scrimmaging, when they're practicing, when they're just hanging out. A Twitch stream can go on for hours. And there's a chat room and you can pop in there and you can actually interact with a person who is playing video games and who's streaming at that time. Twitch chat and the interactions with the chat leads to kind of parasocial relationships between the streamer and the chat. That's Jordan Yule, the gamer who trolled the military. Where you're talking in real time back and forth and they get to know you. So something that's really common is that people in a Twitch stream, they'll actually be talking to the streamer and the streamer will be watching the chat and saying things back. So let's say, hey, Charles 22. Oh, so you just got back from school and you're eating a sandwich. Cool, what kind of sandwich is that? They feel like you're friends. Oh yeah, join the military, it's awesome, it's fun. And they never talk about 
the lifelong consequences, the lifetime of PTSD you might suffer and endure, how you or your friends might die. It's just like Call of Duty. You're not going to get an accurate depiction of war. So some useful background on Jordan here. He started playing games as an escape, which I think is true for a lot of people. I was just kind of like a loner kid. One of like my earlier birthdays, I got a Sega Genesis. And that was my first console and loved it. My first gaming console was also a Sega. So I appreciate your enthusiasm for the Sega Genesis. Oh, it was great. It was so fun. (laughs) As a kid, it was like incredible. Oh, yeah. Sonic Spinball. So good. (laughs) Oh, that's a classic. Yeah, of course. (laughs) So like gaming was an escape. Just, you know, escape and think about alternate realities. Jordan grew up in a conservative family. So deference to the military and military rhetoric and this kind of myth of the valorant soldier was just kind of standard. And the people around him when he was growing up had a lot of respect for the military. It was like a standard right-wing worldview for them. But when Jordan goes to college, things start to change. He says this war correspondent named Chris Hedges comes to Jordan's school to speak. And Jordan ends up picking up his book, which is called War is a force that gives us meaning. And in the book, Hedges argues that war is so seductive that it's almost a society-level addiction. That just sealed the deal for me, and I've just been vehemently anti-military, anti-war ever since. I heard that you have an anti-war tattoo. Is that correct? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Uh, What is it? It's on my left forearm and... It says, fight the rich, not their wars. And there's a, like a bomb being crossed out. So eventually in the spring of 2020, when Jordan comes across the army streaming on Twitch, in his space, or what he views as his space, he can't help but just provoke these esports guys. And it turns out that a lot of other people either felt the same as Jordan did or wanted to get in on the spectacle. And this whole thing just exploded in the gaming world. And actually, one of the things that really set this off was a writer at Vice, at Motherboard, Matthew Galt, notices this and starts writing about it. Right. And it seems like the military really isn't prepared for this kind of backlash. I think they assumed that everybody would love it. The thing is, it didn't necessarily shake out that way. That is not to say that gamers are overwhelmingly anti-military or really left-wing or something like that. I think actually one could argue the opposite. But I think part of the criticism that the army has gotten is not just necessarily political. It's also just kids not liking a big brand stepping into their hangout zone, trying to co-opt a space that people feel like, this is my living room, get out. They were using this to recruit people and to some extent kids I thought was, was deeply insidious. So I wanted to see what kind of a reaction it would evoke. You call yourself an activist. I've also been using the word trolling because that's very much what it appears like to me. In your mind, like, where's the line between trolling and activism in this Twitch world? It doesn't always seem super clear. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I try not to refer to it as trolling just because I do think it undermines the end goal, which I think would be putting a damper in their recruiting practices not allowing them to recruit kids through bait-and-switch tactics. 
I don't really care as long as it's effective. I, I do think the line can blur sometimes. But I also think it's also, people don't really realize how much political advocacy and political communication we're, we're doing online now. So after Jordan gets banned from the Army's Twitch stream last summer, he decides to take his campaign a bit further because he figures that what happened might not be super legal. And so he gets in touch with these First Amendment lawyers. And what he learns is that he might actually have a case. You didn't think it was going to blow up like this? No, not at all. The next like week is a, is just like a whirlwind. So the lawyers write this letter about how the military's actions on Twitch are a violation of the First Amendment. And it basically says that when the government intentionally opens up a space to the public, a public forum, that it can't constitutionally bar speakers from the forum based on their viewpoint. And after that, the army basically unbans everyone and essentially goes dark. Around that time, Congress also gets involved. This amendment is specifically to block recruitment practices and funding for recruitment practices on platforms such as twitch.tv. Within 24 hours, we had an amendment with Representative Ocasio-Cortez's office. We cannot conflate war and military service with this kind of gamified format. And with that, I yield. Thank you. It was a really cool experience to see her on the on the floor. That was just mind-blowing. The amendment proposed banning the military from recruiting on video gaming or streaming platforms. It doesn't pass. But the vote was actually surprising. A much larger number of representatives than was expected ended up saying like, hey, maybe we should have a discussion about where the military is operating and marketing itself and how it's conducting its recruitment program. But by August, the army returns to streaming, mostly on Facebook. It's still on Twitch, but it doesn't happen as often. It seems like the military is really invested in this program, right? Are you going to keep fighting this? Like, what's next for you? So the Air Force just started streaming. (laughs) And they're banning people for asking uh, questions about their recruiting practices and military misconduct. So I think the Air Force is next. Is this whack-a-mole? You're just going to keep going from military branch to military branch, trying to tear them down and, and stop them from talking to kids? <laughs> yeah. I mean, part, part of this is just getting these people off Twitch. And I think there is an education campaign to be built out and continuing to try to curtail this effort in the legislature. That's going to be a steep uphill climb, but I'm ready for it. So, big picture, what do you make of this whole saga? So the thing is, the military getting into esports and the military getting into streaming, it's really just an extension of the America's Army strategy. Pretty much every kid at this point has a smartphone or a laptop or a tablet. And you can get on Twitch and you can watch people playing video games at all hours of the night as much as you like. The other thing is that Once they do get into a kid's bedroom, once they do get onto a kid's phone, you're having a different relationship with this kid. I can compare this to your recruiter who's at the mall kiosk or the guy who tried to call me on the phone when I was in high school, right? Is that the touch points are very brief 
and they're in a very specific context. And so I don't really have a relationship with that person. But with a streamer, it's the same relationship that we have with any kind of other influencer that you might interact with or watch Mm. where you feel like you know the person and you feel like you've been let into their life. And also that person might respond to you every once in a while and that feels good. Okay, so what this sounds to me, it it sounds to me like a version of grooming, right? This is not just giving somebody some information. This is preparing them and grooming them for a job in the military at a very young age, an age where they are impressionable and maybe vulnerable. How you look at this is going to depend on, I think, partially how you look at the military in general. And then also, I think, how you feel about the fact that the military is getting on to the place where kids hang out. The military will say, hey, look, we're having some fun and we're just giving some information. That's all we're doing. The army will not necessarily call it recruiting. The army will say that it's outreach. I think there's a very compelling argument to be made that the target audience for these streams, really, again, the people who they really want to reach, kids who are around 12 and 13 years old, they're not really getting a realistic view of what the military is actually like. They are getting a version of it, and they are seeing some people who, yes, indeed, are in the military, and yes, are playing video games, and it is their job, and they're having some fun. But that's obviously not the main focus of what the military is for. It's there to wage war on whoever America decides is an enemy. I think it's going to come down to how comfortable are we with this? And the thing is, in absence of a law being passed that stops the military from doing this, they're going to continue doing this because that's what they feel they need to do. You're reaching deep inside you for things you've never known. It's been tough, rough going, but you haven't gone. Hey, first sergeant. Good morning. You can do it in the army. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Special thanks to Matthew Galt, the reporter at Vice's Motherboard, who wrote extensively about what went down on Twitch last spring. Also, special thanks to Dexter Thomas and the team who made Reset, Vice's TV series that's all about the video game industry. From Reset, thanks to Michelle R. Carney, Jonah Kaplan, Frank Bova, Lindsay Schneider, and Emily Gibson. You can watch Reset on Vice TV Fridays at midnight. Or you can find a couple episodes on YouTube. Just search for the terms Vice, Reset, and Video Games. You'll find it. Vice News Reports is produced by Jesse Alejandro Cuttrell, Jen Kinney, Janice Yamoka, and Julia Nutter. 
Our senior producers are Ashley Cleek and Adiza Egan. Our associate producers are Sam Egan, Sophie Kazis, and Adriana Rodriguez. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone and Kyle Murdoch. Our executive producer and VP of Vice Audio is Kate Osborne. Janet Lee is senior production manager for Vice Audio. Production coordination by Steph Brown. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. From iHeart executive producer Mangesh Hatikador and senior producer Nikki Etor. I'm Ariel Zemros. I know podcast hosts say this constantly, but quite seriously, please rate and review the pod. It really helps other people find the show. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday, so be sure to check back in next week.